Story 9 of 30 Ghost Stories by Various Authors. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Ghosts of Red Creek by S.T. To the northward of Mississippi City and its neighbor, Hansboro, there extends a tract of pine forest for miles, with but few habitations scattered through it. Black and Red Creeks, with their numerous branches, drain this region into the Pascagoula River to the eastward, with the swamps of Pascagoula as a refuge, and the luxuriant and unfrequented bottoms of Red and Black Creeks to browse upon. There are few choicer spots for deer. Knowing this fact, a small party of gentlemen on the day before a crisp, cold Christmas started from Hansboro in a large four-wheeled wagon for a thirty-mile drive into this wilderness of pine and a week's sport after the deer. The guide was Jim Carruthers, a true woodsman, and the driver a general factotum, a jolly negro named Jack Lyons, than whom no one could make a better hoe-cake and cook a venison steak. His laugh could be heard a quarter of a mile, and his good nature was as expansive as the range of the laughter. The usual experiences of a hunting camp were hardly enjoyed during the first days of this life out of doors, but his cream did not rise until about the fifth night, when, from familiar intercourse, Jack Lyons became loquacious, and after the day's twenty or twenty-five mile walk, would spin yarns in front of the campfire, which brought forgetfulness of fatigue. The night before New Year's was intensely cold. The cold north wind of the afternoon had subsided at sunset, and only a gust now and again touched the musical leaves of the pines, making them vibrant with that mournful score of nature's operas, which even maestros have failed to catch. In front of two new and white tents, two sportsmen reclined at length within reach of the warmth of the fire, while opposite them rested at ease the guide and the worthy Jack Lyons. Wearied with the day's chase, four staunch hounds, Ringwood, Rose, Jet, and Boxer, were dreaming of future quarry. The firelight brought out, in bright relief, the trunks of the tall pines like cathedral columns, and sparkling through the leafy dome overhead, the scintillating stars glistened with diamond brightness. A silence which added its influence to the scene rested about the borders of the creek below, and gave more effect to the story of the veteran teamster than perhaps it otherwise would have had. If the deer run down to creek, said old Jack, smacking his lips over a carefully prepared brewing of the real Campbellton punch, we's bound to see fun tomorrow, for it'll take us down there by de old Gibbet's place. In daylight there's no place like it. But after nightfall, you bet you wouldn't catch this nigga there. Old Jack was naturally asked why he didn't care about visiting the Gibbet place that night. Asking to be excused till he filled his pipe, the silence was unbroken till his return. He piled on more pine knots and commenced. You know, gentlemen, that when the gunboats was in the south, we folks had to travel way back here on these roads out in the range of their big guns. I was gauged by Mr. Harrison in Holland Salt from the factory at Mississippi City, and on their beach over Mobile, and I had been making a trip every week or so. This backcountry road was never thought of by the Federals, and we had good times long the way, no shells and no shooting. Tonight, gentlemen, 
I was speaking of was a Friday, that yous all know it's unlucky. Well, you see, I hitched up Betsy and Rose in the lead, and old Fox and Blossom at the pole, and takes the biggest load of salt that the team ever carried. I starts out and crosses the Biloxi River and Hansboro just as the moon was going down. Yes, boss, these roads weren't no better then than now, and the rain made em mighty rough when you come to the holes. I sat in the seat whistling, the crows is in the pea-patch, and a-thinking of Sarah Jameson, what was afterwards my wife, when I felt the off-four-wheel go crush in a hole up to the hub. I'd made seventeen miles out of Bohansboro. I did some cussin' and then went to the fence, about twenty yards off, and took out a rail to prize up the wheel. Then I saw I was at Mr. Gibbet's place. I says to myself, I'll go up to the house and get old Mr. Gibbet to give me a turn. I had gone by there two weeks before and seed the old man. Now, gentlemen, you're listen to me, for what I's telling yer is as sure as Jimmy'll blow the horn on the last day. I walked up to the house and there I saw a bright light inside. It showed out fro the windows, and I saw shaders of Miss Gibbet and Mrs. Gibbet on the window curtain. Sure, honey, sure. The front door was shut, and I steps up to the gallery and knocks with the butt end of my whip. I didn't knock loud, neither. God bless us all, gentlemen. The lights went out like that, and I hears up a laugh. Ha, 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 ha. How that set my knees a-shaking. I opens the door, and there was no sign of anybody. I struck a match, and all the furniture was moved out, and the old red curtains that I thought I seed was in rags. The whole family was gone for sure. I didn't know exactly what to think about them strange voices, but I started back to the wagon when it lightened. And, bless God, there in the front yard was six graves just made. Something wrong here, said I, and I builds a fire by the wagon and digs the wheel out. Just then, old Squire Pasture came along the road from Mobile, and he tells me the news. Old man Gibbet cut the throats of his wife and four children and shoots himself in the head out in jealousy of his wife. They was all buried in the front yard, and the house was deserted ten days before. Gentlemen, when I hear that, them miles make the quickest time to Mobile ever seed. And yous can tell me dar's no ghosts, but you don't catch me round that log house of Gibbet's, sept and sun's an hour high. Jack looked suspiciously over his shoulder into the darkness and crawled into his blanket, muttering, It scares this nigger even now to tell about that night. Sleep soon fell upon the camp, but the impression of old Jack's story survived the night, and the next day he still asserted its truth. End of Story 9